This is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God is good. And all the time. And his mercy endureth forever. We at Harvest Community Church are a community of worshipers committed to Christ, commissioned to serve, and called to pray without ceasing. Won't you stand up? And I'm going to do something a little bit different today. I'm going to pray before we read. I don't know about you, but I, sometimes I need to encourage myself in the Lord. How many need to be encouraged in the Lord today? So let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to meet us. How many know whenever we open the Word of God, we're encountering Him? You don't pray and say, Lord, I want an encounter. You open up His Word and receive His Word, and that is your encounter. And I don't want today to be business as usual. I want us to meet with God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for being our father. We thank you for creating us. We thank you for redeeming us. We thank you for sustaining us. Father, we thank you for upholding us. Your word says in you we live and move and have our very being. Father, deliver us from being preoccupied by things today, being preoccupied by issues today. Father, we want to be, as you told Moses, take off your sandals because where you're standing is holy ground. Father God, we seek hard after you today. We, As the deer panteth for the water brook, so our souls pant after you today. Help us to see Jesus today. Help us to have freedom today. Father, some of us are in bondage and don't even realize we're in bondage. Father, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Father, we thank you for that. Father, I pray that we would not worry about those in back, on the back of us, in front of us, or on either side of us. Yes. Father, we're the only ones here today. Yes. Us and you. Yes. And we want to hear from your word today yes. so that we might walk in your word. So we might have strength and power in your word. Yes. So that we could be more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. Yes. Father, we thank you. I thank you that you have a plan for my life. I thank you that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. I thank you that I trust in you with all my heart, and I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. In all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge you. And, Lord, I, I know that you will direct my path. Father, I thank you for that today. Lord, as I close in prayer, there could be somebody today who has a little bit of self-pity. You think, oh, I don't have all that I need, or I'm not all that I should be, or, or things aren't working out for me. I thank you that you have blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and I am your child, and I have everything that I need. You sustain me, you provide for me, you protect me, you have pardoned me, and I am yours. You are my Father. In Jesus' name. Won't you say amen? amen. You may be, uh, go ahead, uh, you can be seated, but up on the screen and in your electronic devices and in your Bibles, the Word of God should be on the screen. There are just a couple of verses, uh, both of them found in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy... A beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Say amen. amen. 
And then 2 Timothy 2.15. From the King James Version, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. For the next few minutes, I want to talk to you on the subject, Daddies Make a Difference. Daddies make a difference. Last week we talked about uh, how, how mamas matter. But as we go back to school, I want to remind you of something that you already know, and that is that daddies make a difference. I think it was back in 2009, Serena Williams, who is arguably the greatest male or female tennis player who has ever played. She is the most decorated and celebrated best tennis player in the world, but certainly the best tennis player that has ever played in the United States of America. There's an amen that goes right there. Well, back in 2009, she was playing in a tournament, and in the first set, she was down five love. Now, uh, uh, love is only bad in tennis. <laughs> love means zero. So she was down in that first set, five games to zero. Well, her father, Richard Williams, was way up in the top of the stands. And when she got down five to zero, you, can, you could tell she was frustrated. And you could tell she had lost her focus. And you, should, you could tell she was upset with the way she was playing. She was ranked, uh, Reverend Will, number one in the world at that time. She was playing the number 14 player. And she was upset at the way she was playing and she knew that she was better than this player and she was better than the way she was playing and she was she was she was obviously not on her game well her daddy richard williams is is up in the top of the stands and he makes his way down near the court so that as serena got ready to serve they could make eye contact he didn't say a word he didn't gesture he just wanted her to see him. Well, she won that game, and she ended up winning that set 7-5, to five, and she ended up winning the match. All because her daddy came down to see her. Her daddy came down to see about her. Her daddy, who she had a relationship with, who trained her, who skilled her, who helped her, who, who, who maintained her regiment of, 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 of playing and, and encouraged her. He sat down so that as she served, she could see her daddy. Because daddies make a difference. Daddies make a difference. And what I'm telling you before we get into this message is... If you have a, a earthly father that has not been all that he needs to be, you need to know that you have a heavenly father who will come down so that you can see him. So that he can see as you try and serve and as you try and do and as you try and live and as you try and matriculate through this old life. Don't worry, he sees you. And not only does he see you, he's rooting for you. And he wants you to win. Because daddies make a difference. In this text, uh, you, you, you'll see that we're, we're talking about Timothy. And the influence of fathers is very, very significant. As a matter of fact, there's a study that says 
82% of studies on father involvement and child well-being published since 1980 found significant associations between positive father involvement and offspring well-being because daddies make a difference. Not only is that evidence of a father's influence, but in a 26-year-long study, researchers found that the number one factor in developing empathy in children was father involvement. Fathers spending regular time alone with their children translated into children who become passionate and compassionate adults because daddies make a difference. Even in our Bibles, if you were to look in the Old Testament, as we, very, as we begin the Bible, in the first five books of the Bible, especially, well, in, in, in the book of Genesis, you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And the Israelites were fond of saying, I believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. There was this lineage of fathers who passed on the faith from one generation to another because daddies make a difference. Not only that, but there is an entire book of the Bible that is dedicated to a daddy giving a son input on how to live. And that is Solomon who wrote the book of Proverbs to tell his son, this is the way you live in light of the way God has created you and the purpose that God has given you. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. amen. And so we get to the text that, that we just read in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And Paul says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son. To Timothy, a beloved son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. You'll notice that as we talked last week about 2 Timothy, we talked about Timothy's grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. Let the church say amen. amen. Timothy went on to be a great man. He was the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And it, 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 it could seem like his grandmother and his mother were his only influence. But here in the text, it says to Timothy, a beloved son. Well, if you've gone to Sunday school, you know that Paul was not Timothy's biological father. But this is a part of what we call the pastoral epistles. Can we go to Bible study just for a minute? So we've got 27 books that are in the New Testament. The first five books of the New Testament are historical books. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the book of Acts, which gives you a history of the beginning of the church. Let the church say amen. amen. And so you've got the first five books of the New Testament given there. It's a historical account of Jesus' life, the first four, and then the history of the church. The rest of the books are 22, what the Bible calls epistles, which are letters to either churches or individuals, or they are just general letters to a region in Asia Minor. Let the church say amen. amen. Out of those 22 epistles or letters, the apostle Paul wrote 13 of them. Won't the church say 13? 13. 13. 
13 letters that the Apostle Paul wrote, and they, they can be divided, Brother Curry, into four sections. The early epistles, Galatians, 1 Thessalonians, and 2 Thessalonians. How many is that? Three. That's three. And then you've got the major epistles, which are Romans and 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. How many is that? That's three. Three plus three is six. And then you've got the prison epistles, which are Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and the book of Philemon. How many is that? You've got six plus four equals what? But then you have this category of Paul's letters that he calls the pastoral epistles. And there are two pastors that he mentored. One was Timothy and the other was Titus. He wrote two letters to Timothy, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, and he wrote one letter to Titus. That's three. Ten plus three is 13. Those are his 13 letters. Let the church say amen. This is the section of the pastoral epistles. And in those pastoral epistles, Paul is fond of calling Timothy and Titus his sons. Notice this. Paul's sons in the faith, the pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, to Timothy, a true son in the faith. 1 Timothy, the first letter that he wrote to Timothy, chapter 1, verse 18, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, that we just looked at, to Timothy, a beloved son. Chapter 2, verse 1, if we were to look at chapter 2, the beginning of it, it says, you therefore, my son, be strong. And then Titus, Titus chapter 1, verse 4, to Titus, a true son in our common faith. How many know that you can have spiritual children? That you can have a spiritual son or a spiritual daughter. It is someone that you led to the Lord or someone that you helped grow. As a matter of fact, we find where Paul and Timothy first meet in Acts chapter 16, verse 1. It mentions a man who was well known in the early church named Timothy, whose mother was a believer. And then it says, and oh, by the way, his father was a Gentile. The scripture goes on to say that Paul took a liking unto him and wanted him to travel with him to do missions work. And so Paul is the one who had to circumcise him because of the Jews that were around. And, 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 and that's when he feel, feels like he became Timothy's spiritual father. Timothy went on missionary journeys with him and Paul left him at Ephesus to, to, to pastor the church. These letters, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, are letters in which Paul says, one of my roles is to give you input, advice, counsel, feedback on how you're living. And men and women, all of us need not just a father, but a spiritual father. Let the church say amen. I want to give you one more exhortation about that in 1 Thessalonians, which Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. He gives an idea of what that kind of ministry is about. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 through about verse 12, he recounts to the Thessalonians, this is how we did ministry. And parents, you would do well to study that passage on how you do ministry to other folk. 
He starts off in verse 7 by saying, be gentle like a nursing mother. And so as you're doing ministry, we're to be gentle. And so he starts off in verse 7 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 about being gentle like a nursing mother. And then he goes in verse 11 and he says, I want you to exhort, I want you to comfort, and I want you to charge just like a father does his children. Well, Pastor Mike, I thought this was back to school. It is. And the role of a daddy, because daddies make a difference. You are to be so involved in the lives of your children this school year that you are to exhort them. That means to strongly encourage them. You're to comfort them. Hey, you can do this thing. Don't get overwhelmed. You've got this. And then you charge them. You are not meant to be mediocre, but you are called to be great. And he's telling these Thessalonians, we're to exhort, comfort, and charge every one of you as a father does his own children. Because daddies make a difference. Amen? Amen. So, I want to give you one one other uh, 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 thing by way of introduction. I want to show you Paul's fatherly advice. Paul's fatherly advice to Timothy... In, in, in the books of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, we're not going to read both of those books, but we are going to highlight some of the things. And it was ongoing input. It was ongoing counsel. It was ongoing advice. It was, it was, it was I'm going to be in your life, and I want you to pastor this church. And men and women, uh, I'm so glad that God doesn't give us in his word that, that life is a bed of roses. No, Timothy had problems. And one of the, the, the reasons why Paul is writing to Timothy, because Timothy wanted to quit. Yeah. And how many know we've got some children today in school that want to quit? Yeah. If it were up to them, they wouldn't go to school. If it were up to them, they wouldn't be in that class, or they wouldn't do that homework, and they wouldn't have to go to that place. Over, They want to quit. And we as parents, especially fathers, need to exhort to comfort and to charge them. You can do this because you have been called to be great because daddies make a difference. Chapter 2, verse 1 of 1 Timothy. Let's look at some advice to Timothy in 1 Timothy. He says, Therefore I exert you, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men. Hey, if you're going to pastor, you've got to have a ministry of prayer. Next thing he says is in 3.15, I write so that you may, may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Right up to that, he's given the, the roles and the responsibilities of elders and the roles and responsibilities of deacons and the roles and responsibilities of deaconesses. And he says, I'm telling you this so that you'll know how to conduct yourself. You get some good leadership in the church. And then he goes in verse, uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 12. He says, uh, let no one despise you because of your youth. He was a young man. And you know if you're a young pastor and you got some older folks, of course not like Mom Winifred, but you got some older folks that's going to get you told and doesn't respect your leadership. He says, no, uh, I don't know why y'all laughing. I said, not like, like her. 
but it might be some other folk. But anyway, let no one despise you for your youth, but be an example to the believers. And how? In conduct, in the word, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. He's given counsel. He's given advice. He's given feedback. Not only that, chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Don't neglect the gift of God that is within you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Sometimes you can be so discouraged. Sometimes you want to give up. Sometimes a, a, a life is going against you. you you got to remember the gift of God. And how does that relate to parents and children who are in school? They may not do good in English. They may not do good in social studies. But you give them some math. And that's their gifting. And so you begin to encourage them about their gift. And if you got the gift in that, let's struggle through the English. Let's struggle through the social studies. But you got that math. Let me tell you what you're not going to do. You're not going to tell me you ain't going to succeed in math because that's your gift. Don't neglect your gift. Chapter 5, verse 23, it says, No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake, for your frequent ailments. I don't know if he got so upset that he got nervous in his stomach. And Paul said, Well, let me get down to brass tacks. (laughs) I know you're so upset and y'all are laughing, but some of our children can get so anxious about exams and so anxious about tests and so anxious. But we have got to figure out how to calm them down and let them know, hey, it ain't the end of the world. Listen, you just do the best you can, baby, and it's going to be all right. I love you anyhow. He said, take a little wine for your stomach, all your frequent ailments. Don't let them people kill you. That's what he was saying. That's what he, did you see it in the text? That's what he was saying. Mm, I felt that. Did anybody else feel that? Mm, felt that right in my shanana. And then in 2 Timothy, he gives some advice and some counsel and some feedback. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, it says, Therefore I remind you, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on in my hand. Stir up the gift. Stir it up. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Be excited about your call. And men and women, even secular people know that. I've had the privilege of, of serving at, at Birmingham Southern College and their men's basketball program, and I, I never, uh, I'll never forget meeting Colonel Bright. Colonel Bright is the, the, the mental toughness coach for the basketball team. And I, I met him, and I was feeling a certain kind of way because I said, I'm the chaplain. Why do you need a mental toughness coach? Until I found out he was a retired uh, Marine. And I said, hey, uh, uh, Colonel Bright, my name is Pastor Mike. It's nice meeting you. He says, real nice meeting you. I heard about you. I said, well, Colonel Bright, tell me about what you do. And he said, Pastor, we got four pillars. And everything that we teach is centered around that four pillars, and they all start with the letter E. He said, the first one is for excitement. He said, if you're not excited about it, don't even do it. Anything in your life, if you ain't excited about it, And we got to get our children excited about school and excited about learning and excited about achievement and excited about growing and developing. Am I preaching to anybody here? You see, you may not be excited. You're not going to do a good job unless you're excited about it. You're not going to be a good parent unless you're excited. You ain't going to be a good church member unless you ain't going to be a good Christian 
unless you're excited about it. He said the second E is energy. You've got to be excited, but you've got to get some energy to it. You've got to put in the work. You've got to get up early and stay up late. You've got to give it some time. You've got to say no to some things so you can say yes to the thing that's most important that you're giving energy to. And then the third thing is emotional toughness. Because things may not work out. Things may come against you. Obstacles will come. There are some things that, that, that are unforeseen. And, and, and you've got to be mentally tough. And you've got to be emotionally tough to say, hey, there is nothing that can stop me. Parenthetically, I'm reading a book now entitled Embrace the Suck. Embrace the Suck. It's written by a former Navy SEAL. And what he is saying is all of us have to embrace those hard things, to embrace those difficult things, to embrace things that we don't like, to embrace that hurt, and don't let it stop you. Matter of fact, this Navy SEAL's mindset was, you can't make it too hard for me. Matter of fact, I embrace the hard. I don't say, oh, it's cold out here and we got to run 10 miles. I'm like, oh, it's cold out here. I'm doing this thing in the cold. Because I'm embracing it. That is emotional toughness or emotional intelligence. And then the last E is to execute. You do what God has called you to do. Be it studying and you do and finish the test. You finish the course. You do the job. You do and you're faithful to what God has called you to do. Those E's, excitement, energy, emotional toughness, and execution. And men and women, that is what Paul is calling Timothy to do. Stir up that gift and be excited about it. And then he goes on and says, Timothy, I, I heard that you've been ashamed. And notice what he says in, in uh, uh, chapter 1 of, of 2 Timothy, verses 8 and 9. Therefore, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. It's the same kind of thing. And then in verses 13 and 14, he says, hey, you got to hold fast. You got to keep it going. There has to be some consistency. And don't our kids need consistency? Yes. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you've heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed to you by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Now he's talking to Timothy about being a pastor. But the principle is you got to hold fast. He's telling Timothy, hold fast to your faith. Preach to them. Give them what, what God has given you. Don't be ashamed of it. It is the gospel that saves. Yeah. Men and women, we've got to be excited about what God has called us to. Now, Pastor, what does that have to do with going back to school? Well, one of the words of wisdom, one of the words of advice that Paul gives Timothy is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Verse 15, I believe that he is telling Timothy, Timothy, you have to study the word of God because you have to deliver the word of God. It is the living word of God. It wasn't the, old, the New Testament. Timothy was to study the Old Testament so that he might impart the Old Testament and give people the gospel through the Old Testament. You've got to study the word. 
You can't just stand up and give folk anything. So the context is, as you are pastoring Timothy, you got to study. you got to do what God has called you to do. But the same principle is true for our children who are going back to school. And daddies, daddies are the one to do it. Daddies, these kids need to see you come down from your room watching TV, watching the sports game, doing whatever you're doing on the computer, come down in, in, in the kitchen or the living room, wherever they're doing their homework, and they need to see you. They need to see you. You need to encourage them. If you got to motivate them, I told my little girls on my basketball team, I said, you let me see your report card because I pay for A's. I don't pay for B's and C. I pay for A's. You know, I said uh, too quickly, uh, Minister Dan, I said $10 an A, and I thought about how many girls it was. I said, well, we're going to say $5 an A. You get an A, you get $5. I'm not sure that really motivated them anymore. But here are the three points, and then we'll be done. Number one, uh, 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 the, the verse is, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Study to show yourself approved unto God as a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, the proper context is he's telling Timothy as the pastor at the church of Ephesus, you've got to study but the principles, there are three principles here for us to use as our children go back to school. Number one, study. Study. I purposefully use the King James Version because if you have the NIV or if you have the, 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 the New King James Version, it will, won't say study. It will say be diligent. Be diligent to show yourself approved unto God. Same concept. you got to study. And the number one thing I think that our children battle against is not intelligence. It's not that they don't have the capacity. It's not that they don't have the potential. It's not that, that they're just not smart enough to get it. That is not the problem, and don't let professionals, don't let family members, don't let anybody tell you that that's the problem. The problem is laziness. The problem is that we don't give it enough time and our children don't study enough and our children live in this microwave society that says if I just look at it once, I'm supposed to get it. No, you got to study. And if you use the other translation, you got to be diligent. Have some friends that I worked with years ago who had a, a, young, a, a daughter who, who the schools diagnosed and, and they said that she had a learning disability. And these parents said, decided that they would not listen to the professionals at the school. They said, no, she, you, know, you, you, you say whatever she is, but, but we got something for that. And so they convinced this young lady, their daughter, hey, it just means we got to spend more time. So during the week, uh, normally our kids are watching TV from the time they get home till 10 o'clock at night. They said, no, we turn the TV off. We got to study. We eat dinner. We're going to study from 7 to 10. 
They studied from 7 to 10, Monday through Saturday. The only day they took off was Monday. No, she didn't get straight A's, but she passed everything. And that young lady went on to college, and that young lady is a school teacher now. Because the parents said, we're going to study. We're going to be diligent. We're going to put the time and effort in. Let the church say, amen. Amen. Daddies, we got to make these children study and to be diligent. Point number two is to show yourself approved unto God. Timothy's goal was not to present himself approved to people, but to God. He wasn't to regard the job of being a pastor as a popularity contest, but instead as a call to faithfulness to God. Study to show yourself approved unto God. It, I used to, to, to quote this, this verse, and I quoted it wrong. I used to say, study to show yourself approved as a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Guess what I left out? Approved unto God. Listen, I don't know if you, you children know this or you parents know this, but your intelligence, your smart, your brains, that is a stewardship issue before God. You are to use every ounce of intelligence God has given you. It's a stewardship issue. So that if you don't use it, you will either lose it or point number three, you'll be ashamed. Study to show yourself approved unto God because it is required of a steward that he be found faithful. He be found faithful. It it is a stewardship. Lord, give me every ounce of intelligence that you have given me, every brain matter, every cell that you have given in my head. I want to use it for your glory. I don't want to leave anything on the table. I want to use all that you've given me. And I want to be the best that you call me to be. It takes daddies to do that. Yes, it takes daddies to do that. And not only that, he says, uh, study to show yourself approved unto God as a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. I remember it like it was yesterday, Miss Rita. My senior year in high school, it was coming up toward uh, mid-May. We graduated the mid-June back in California. And it was mid-May, and we had our awards uh, assembly. And I knew I wouldn't get an award. I was a proud C-plus student. So-and-so goes up there, full ride to Stanford. So-and-so goes up a full ride to San Jose State. So-and-so goes up there, gets this presidential scholarship, full ride to University of California, Berkeley. And surprisingly enough, my name got called. And this year's Greg Brown Award winner, Greg Brown was one of my idols. He was an athlete at Berkeley High School. He tragically died his senior year of cancer, but everybody loved Greg Brown. They loved him, D. They loved Greg Brown, and they got an award for him in his name to the most likable athlete in the school. It wasn't for academics. It wasn't for smarts. And the little award, the $500, wasn't going to get you nowhere uh, to go to college. They gave you the award because they liked you. I went up and received that award so ashamed of myself because I got C's all through high school. And, Robbie, guess what I could have got? 
I could have got A's. I sat in that assembly so ashamed. I sat in that assembly knowing that I didn't live up to all that God had given me. I sat there through all of my friends paying for Do you know it took me 12 years to play for my college? All because I didn't do what I was supposed to do in high school. Study to show yourself approved unto God as a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. Last but certainly not least, I'll finish with this. The best advice that Paul gave Timothy was for Timothy to make sure that his insides were right and the outside would take care of itself. He tells him in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, he says it's a trustworthy statement, worthy of full acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm chief. What he tells Timothy is when, when, when your attitude isn't right, when your focus isn't right, when you're not doing what God has called you to do and you want to give up, remember your salvation because it's a trustworthy statement worthy of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. If any man be in Christ, he's been blessed with every spiritual blessing. If any man be in Christ, he is more than a conqueror. If any man be in Christ, he has the power of God working in him. If any man be in Christ, his Holy Spirit lives in him. If any man be in Christ, he can say with confidence, If God be for me, who can be against me? If any man be in Christ, nothing is too difficult for him. If any man be in Christ, he can get this lesson. If any man be in Christ, he has left heaven. His heavenly Father has left heaven. He is seated in a place where he can see you. If any man be in Christ, he is surrounded by a cloud of witnesses cheering him on. If any man be in Christ, He can get that lesson and get those grades and pass those classes and endure that hardship because his father says he can because daddies make a difference. Daddies make a difference. But he's got to be your daddy. Your heavenly father has to be your daddy. Paul knew that if if, if, if you stirred up that gift of God that was in you, if you acknowledged your salvation, then it'll change your grade. If you acknowledge your salvation and want to live in light of glory, it'll change your attitude and your outlook. He knows better than anybody else that Jesus didn't grow up with his father. He grew up with a stepfather, just like Timothy's earthly father couldn't give him the spiritual input. Timothy's earthly father was a Greek. He was a Gentile. But he had a spiritual father named Paul who said, I'm going to give you advice. 
I'm going to give you counsel. I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader. I'm going to spur you on. And I want you to study to show yourself approved unto God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word today. We pray, Father God, for our children who are going back. But we also pray for our daddies who will lead them. I want to pray a special prayer for those children, those young people, even us as adults. Some of us don't have our daddies in our lives right now. But I thank you that just as you provided a spiritual daddy for Timothy, you will provide a spiritual daddy for us. And above and beyond, we thank you that if we belong to you, you are our heavenly father. You are our heavenly father. And you will do the same. Father, if there is anyone here that does not know you, who has not received you, who is not a child of God, I pray that they would acknowledge Jesus as Christ's death on the cross for them, that they would plead the blood, that they would ask for forgiveness, that they would place all of their faith in Jesus, and that they would be saved. If we confess with our mouths Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, won't each person say amen, 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 Amen. and amen. Won't you stand up and we'll be dismissed. Thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you've been blessed. For more information about our church, we invite you to either visit our website at harvestcpc.com or call us at 205-853-5033. Until next time, be blessed.